Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Warren Wiersbe says, Christian living means that we take off the grave clothes of the old life and put on the grace clothes of the new life. We put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We we walk in the victory that he has given us. We cleanse ourselves. Of course, the cleansing comes from him first, but 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. 2 Timothy 2.21 says, Therefore, if a man cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. In Psalm 51, David prayed, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. There are images here that tie to redemption. And even though she's getting ready, in essence, for a date night, This is tying to the idea of redemption. She's going to go to this kinsman redeemer and she's going to ask him to marry her, which might seem a bit aggressive. It was definitely bold. It was risky, but she had to do this and I'll explain why because there was another nearer kinsman who was kind of waiting in the wings and what happened was when Ruth made this bold approach, kind of sped up the process. This other kinsman redeemer now would have to decide whether or not he was going to redeem her or not. And so all of this is coming to the threshing floor, that great image that we've seen that connects many of these beautiful things. She goes on, she says, it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies. They would often sleep at the threshing floor to guard their crops and their grain and Because of the working hours, they would winnow at night and they would wake up early in the morning. So they just kind of, they would have a little bit of dinner and some celebration and then they would just stay there. She says, notice where he lies and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down and then he will tell you what you shall do. So let me get this straight. Let's put this in modern vernacular. Imagine that your mother-in-law tells you, follow him home. Try to find an open door or window. (laughs) Go where he's sleeping and remove the blanket from his feet. How's that sound? Oh, wonderful. That's that's a great plan. That's how you get arrested for stalking. (laughs) What, What exactly is this plan? And by the way, I don't know about you, but I have issues when people try to take the blanket off my feet. (laughs) How many of you are blanket snobs? Go ahead and just confess it. It's all right. It's good for the soul. Sometimes there's a battle at night for blanket supremacy with not only the spouse, but with animals as well. They come in. How many of you remember? Oh, never mind. I'm not even going to go there. Oh, I was going to quote a movie line, but never mind. Uncover his feet. You say, well, what, what in the world? What do you mean uncover his feet? Well, it's interesting. In the next chapter, chapter 4, verse 7, t- take a look for a second. It's now, it says, now this was the custom in former times in Israel, 4-7, concerning the redemption and exchange of land to confirm any matter. 
a man removed his sandal and gave it to another. And this was the manner of attestation in Israel. And so the closest relative, relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, and he removed his sandal. This was a custom back in the day. You know, you can read some commentaries on this, and, and they'll, they'll try to imply that there was some, maybe uh, uh, she was trying to seduce him and so forth. That's not what's going on here. Th these are noble people who follow Torah. There is nothing wrong about this scene but it is the cultural norm to do this kind of thing. And so she's told, this is what you're going to do. It's a symbolic gesture in the culture inviting Boaz to take her as a wife. She had put herself at his feet. Remember when he was first kind to her in chapter uh, 2, she bowed at his feet. I think of Mary in Luke 10 who sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to his word. It's a symbol of... I will submit to you as a wife. Just let me know if you would like me as your wife. And so she said, chapter 3, verse 5, all that you say, I will do. Sounds reminiscent of what the people said at Sinai. All that he has said, we will do. And so she went down, verse 6, chapter 3, to the threshing floor. I'm sure she had, a little, had to have a little nervous anticipation as she went down. And did according to all that her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, remember the time of festival was a time of rejoicing, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came secretly and uncovered his feet and lay down. Now, the uncovering of the feet on a, probably a cold spring night also would probably get his attention. All of a sudden, you notice you don't have all of your blankie. That troubles me at night. I, I like to be covered. <laughs> I'm just that, I, I just find comfort in that. I don't know. I have a blanket from when I was two. I still have it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I really don't. Anyway. <laughs> that was just for the video, folks. Anyway. Yeah. And it happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled. And so you can imagine. And, and remember, he likes her. So, you know, he, he, they've had a, a big work day and they've had a, a nice dinner and they've, you know, enjoyed the time of the festival and all of a sudden he sleeps, but he notices his feet are a little cold. <laughs> yeah. And so in the middle of the night, the man, he was startled and he bent forward probably to fix his blankie and behold, a woman was lying at his feet. Now, you could imagine that, you know, I'm sure startled is a pretty good word, right? But I would imagine also that this woman, Ruth, has been on his mind and heart probably every day. Because we all know that when we first have the prospects of a relationship and it's new and exciting, all you can think about is that person. Even when you're in class, you're just drawing hearts on your paper, <laughs> and you write his name down. Oh, he's, he's my champion, my hero, right? Some of you are trying to remember those times. Some of you are right smack dab in the middle of those times. Some of you have been writing his name during my preaching, which upsets me. No, it's all right. <laughs> 
But love is a magical thing. It can be, right? And so I'm sure he was thinking about her. Can you imagine him waking up, rubbing his eyes, <laughs> behold a woman at his feet, and it's the woman of his dreams. Not too bad. <laughs> anyway. And he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. So spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. ESV says you are a redeemer. NIV says you're a kinsman redeemer. Spread your garment over me. Interestingly enough, uh, take a look at chapter two uh, for a moment. Boaz said these words in chapter two, verse 12, when he first encountered Ruth. He said, may the Lord reward your work 2.12, and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. You know, oftentimes when the gospel is proclaimed and people experience the love of Christ, one of the first things that they experience is the love of God's people. The Bible says love covers what? A multitude of sins. Love, literally, here's how you could translate this verse, throws the blanket over people's faults, um, idiosyncrasies, shortcomings, rough edges, you name it. We don't have to broadcast everybody's issues. We all have issues. Amen? Amen. Love throws the blanket on. If you're going to have a good marriage, you're going to have to learn to throw the blanket on stuff. Can I get a witness? Love covers we don't have to focus on everybody's weaknesses. We, we all know what our weaknesses are. Now, I'm not talking about overt sin where someone won't repent of sin. I'm talking about everyday life where people make mistakes and we have to try to give the same forgiveness that we've received from the Lord. And I know it can be hard in some cases. So here is the woman of his dreams and she's asking for him to spread his covering over her or his mantle, this would be a symbolic act where she's saying, will you marry me? In 1 Kings 19.19, 19, to put the mantle over someone is to claim them for yourself. It is a marriage proposal. It is saying, will you marry me? There's always an interesting moment when someone proposes, and of course, the traditional way is a man proposes to a woman, and guys always want to make sure that the answer is going to be Yes. Have you ever seen a, a time where a marriage proposal is given and the woman says, uh, whenever there's any hesitation, you're like, uh-oh, <laughs> this, this may not go well. How many of you have seen people who do it on the stadium uh, screen and he gets down on his knee and presents the ring and if she says no, that's a bit of shame fame that I wouldn't be looking for. <laughs> but anyway... I mean, she's risked everything. She has an idea that he's interested, but does she really know for sure? In Ezekiel 16, 8, God, who is the goel of his people, the redeemer, the kinsman redeemer of his people, says, Ezekiel 16, 8, when I passed by you again, I saw you. Behold, you were at the age of love, and I spread the corner of my garment. Literally, this could be translated, I spread my wing or the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord God, and you became mine. Ezekiel 16, verse eight. 
You are listening to Living Truth Radio with Pastor Michael Lance. I'm Mike Massaro, and I know what you're thinking. Wait, why are you interrupting Pastor Michael's sermon? Well, I have a good reason. Since Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported program, it relies on donations from people just like you to stay on the air. And trust me, you can't always assume that someone else is going to be the one doing the donating. So if God has blessed you through our ministry, we'd encourage you to go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the donate button. Let's face it, the way the world's going these days, we need all the solid teaching we can get. So partner with us today. That's livingtruthradio.org. Now, back to Pastor Michael. So he responds, he says, verse 10, may you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. He calls her that because she's younger. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after younger men or young men, whether poor or rich. You've shown your hased to me, your kindness, your loving kindness to me, and you were kind to your mother-in-law and you followed her in difficult circumstances and that was your first kindness and that spoke of your noble character. But now your second kindness is even more exciting to me because instead of going for younger men and you had options, you came here tonight. And she did have options. And by the way, her options in Bethlehem would have been a younger man, but a younger man potentially, but there were only a couple of men who could redeem her, but not just her, Naomi as well. You see, Ruth is thinking wider than just herself, and that's what love does. She's seeking the redemption of not only herself, but an heir, and chapter 4 will show us that an heir is going to come from this relationship by which that heir will be put into Naomi's family line, and this is the way it worked in Israel, and redemption will take place. It's an act of sacrifice. Love is, by virtue of what it means in the Bible, love is sacrificial. Love sacrifices. Whenever you're in a relationship with anybody, you find that out that love is going to demand on you some of the greatest sacrifices that you'll be asked to make in your life. Um, there's a university president some years ago, they were playing uh, this, uh, there was a uh, rebroadcast on Family Life, and he was a very well, well-to-do, uh, big university president. I don't remember the school, but his wife got ill, and she wasn't doing well. And so he had to resign from the college and he had served, you know, with distinction, and he read this letter in front of the faculty and the students, and he basically said, my wife is going through difficulty, she's not, she's sick, and the only time she's relatively happy is when I'm in the room with her. And I made a commitment, I made a vow, that I would love her in sickness and in health, I would love her through good times and bad, till death do we part. And then he said, you know what? What I'm saying to you is nothing noble. This is what I committed to. And she has supported me over 30 years of being in education. She has been by my side, and now I'm going to be by her side. And whether it's 10 years or 30 years or even more, he said, I could never pay her back for what she's done for me. That is love. That's what love does. Love is willing to blanket and cover and it's something we have to learn. It's the love of God. And so he says, my daughter, verse 11, don't fear. Fear not, says the King James. Jesus often said that to his own followers. 
I will do for you whatever you ask, for all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. A woman of excellence means strength or nobility. Proverbs 12, 4 says, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who shames him is as rottenness in his bones. Proverbs 31, 10, a chapter that troubles many women, <laughs> says, an excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above jewels, Proverbs 31, 10. An excellent wife is what I have on the front row right here, and she is an awesome lady. An excellent wife who can find, I found her, <laughs> Do you know in the Hebrew Bible, in the order of the books in the Hebrew Bible, the book of Ruth follows Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31 is the last chapter of the book of Proverbs. And the book of Ruth answers the question, an excellent wife who can find? Boaz found her. She is the answer to the question. And she's a Moabite woman. She doesn't come from the line of promise, the line of Israel, but she's grafted in and she's a woman of noble character. And I pray that you are as well. And now it is true. He says, I am a close relative. I am a kinsman. However, he's about to drop the bomb here. There is a relative closer than I. He says, look, I'll do what you ask, but I have some news for you. There's a, there's a kin that's closer than me. And there's a snag in this particular opportunity here of proposal. We have to find out if he wants to redeem you first. There's a little snag, little difficulty. There's another man that is potentially here in this scene between you and me. And technically, we would say in modern language, he has first dibs. This is the way it worked. And so he assures her, he says, remain this night when morning comes. If he will redeem you, good, let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you. As the Lord lives, that's, a, that's an oath when you say, as the Lord lives. He's making an oath. He says, lie down until morning. Again, nothing inappropriate. He just wants her to be safe. And so he just says, just stay. And the redemption will take place one way or another. And so she lay at his feet until morning and rose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that a wo the woman came to the threshing floor. They want everything to be on the up and up, discreet and so forth. And so all was discreet, all was in proper bounds. There's no misconduct here, but she's gonna leave you know, before early light or just about that time to make sure that there's no issue. And again, he said, give me the cloak that is on you and hold it. So she held it out, held it, and he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. So he wants to, he wants to give her a gift. And of course, you know, they have, the, uh, Ruth and Naomi have not been doing great. So he wants to supply their need. The gift was an act of love. And it was, it was kind of a symbolic act as well. The number six is, think about it. We always say the number seven is the number of what? completion or perfection. So what's the number six? Just short of perfection. It's the number of man. It's not complete yet. Six measures. Some people argue, what was the measure? We don't know for sure, but probably what's called a C, which means that Ruth was pretty strong. She probably had to pull about 60 pounds back home. I don't know how far home was, but when she came to her mother-in-law, she, she had the gift and she said, so here's, here's matchmaker now, right? She's asking, how did it go, my daughter? ESV says, how did you fare? 
uh, tell me all about it. I think you ladies know more about this than us guys do. Okay, you, you go out on a date and you ladies get together for coffee. Oh, tell me all about it. What did he How did he dress? What did he say? You heard the comedian, he says, uh, he tells his wife, you know, I'm going to go out golfing with, with Ralph. And she goes, oh, oh, wonderful, honey. You know, Ralph and Susie have been having problems, and it's good that you spend time with him. Go ahead, go golfing. Okay, so he goes golfing with Ralph, and he comes back, and the first thing the wife asks him is, so how's Ralph doing? And he goes, all right. He goes, well, well how are things with their marriage? He goes, I don't know. She said, you just spent four hours with him on the golf course. What did you talk about? Golf. <laughs> it goes pretty much like this, just so you ladies are in the loop. Somebody hits a shot, and we say something like this. Nice ball. <laughs> or nice shot. And then if someone hits one sideways, we go, oh, not so good. No bueno. And if someone hits one really sideways, we go, oh, Lord, don't let it break anything. And if we hear the crashing of glass, we run. <laughs> Just, no, we don't. We don't. <laughs> now, some of you have the New King James where it says, is that you, my daughter? And, and some of you may be asking, what, what, she doesn't know the person she lives with? Well, I think she's saying something like this. Are you still Ruth the Moabitess? Or are you, are, are you a prospective Miss, Mrs. Boaz? Something like this. Should we start making the wedding plans and printing the invitations? What's what here? What did he say? And so she told her all that the man had done for her. And she said, these six measures, 17 of barley, he gave to me. For he said, do not go to your mother-in-law empty-handed. You know, uh, when Naomi came back into Bethlehem, she said, I left full and came back what? I came back empty. But when we come to know our kinsman redeemer, he says, I will give you life and that more abundantly. I'll give you full life. And so this is a, a beautiful picture of Christ pouring his, the bread of life in Bethlehem into our lives to make us full. And so Boaz promises effectively to banish the women's emptiness. The ultimate kinsman redeemer promises to banish our emptiness and to bring us into his harvest. And so she said, verse eight, 18, final verse, she said, wait or sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest until he has settled it today. Now she probably shared, you know, he mentioned that there's this other guy and he's got to find out what's going to happen here. And so, you know, Tom Petty sang it well. The waiting is the hardest part. That's how Tom Petty sings, just so you know. <laughs> Did you like it? I mean, that's either Bob Dylan or Tom Petty. Anyway, <laughs> we'll move on. How many of you have issues with waiting? Anybody? Oh, okay, I, I'm not alone. Grocery lines. I try to be nice at grocery lines, but something secretly inside me says, I pray that one of those cashiers that's just been looming somewhere behind the cereal will pop up and say, oh, come over here. 
but I find another law working in the members of my body. <laughs> it's the spirit. And even though I'm not always thinking it, something always comes out and I say, go ahead, it's fine, go ahead. But often when I do that, I have a chance to talk to people and even invite them and it's cool. Waiting is hard, but she's told he won't rest until you are at rest. Look at 18. He won't rest until the matter is settled. He is going to take care of it. And you're just going to have to wait the day. And this probably would be the longest day of both of their lives. Waiting to find out what's going to happen can be so hard in so many areas of life. The Lord says, be still and know that I am God. She says, sit tight. And you will know soon how this is going to happen. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Don't fight me. Don't run from me. Come to me. And so here, here's Ruth, a foreigner. She's not part of Israel. She's come to this land of Bethlehem now. And now she takes another risk to try to see if a Israelite is going to marry her. And, you know, there's a lot of strikes against her, yeah. you know, just looking at uh, it pragmatically. But but when she goes, uh, she finds that Boaz is more than willing. He already loves her and he wants to marry her. And there's going to be some obstacles that we'll talk about in the last chapter, that there's going to be another, you know, uh, potential redeemer that has to be talked to. But, but in the end, this story is going to end with a marriage. And it's interesting to me, Andy, it starts off with uh, famine and death and loss. And the book is going to end with a marriage, with a birth, and with hope, leading all the way to the messianic line, the line of David that will yeah. produce the Messiah. And, you know, whatever journey that you've been on right now, my friend, my brother, sister in Christ, um, you know, God is faithful and he will even take and exploit the bumps and the bruises for his good purposes. And Amen. we're glad you're aboard on Living Truth Radio. And we just want to tell you, if you have not met Jesus Christ, you know, he, he says, if you come to me, I will in no wise cast you out. I will love you and I will love you yes. to the end. Uh, great promise, Andy, in the Bible is that I will never leave you or forsake you. And the Bible is written around marriage imagery. We're supposed to love our brides yes. as Christ loved the church. And so you are loved, my friend. That God so loved you that he gave his only son. And just want to encourage you to embrace that love. Even if you don't get it, you don't have to get it all. Just accept it. Uh, make Jesus your Lord and Savior today. If you need help with anything like that, help with your walk with Jesus Christ, reach out to us at livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. Check out the website. You can get to know the fellowship behind this radio ministry. Get to know us a little bit better. You can donate. You can ask a question. You can put a prayer request. All of the above can be done at livingtruthradio.org. Tell a friend about what you're hearing on your station and uh, keep us in prayer. And we look forward to being with you next time on Living Truth Radio. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.